The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the quick hitter version of Catch and Shoot 2.0. Coming up on this week's episode, we talked to Alex Schiffer, who covers the Brooklyn Nets for The Athletic, and we asked him, what are the expectations for the Brooklyn Nets? What are the expectations for how these three guys mesh? Are there any? I mean, you know, I, I think I think they all know what's at stake. They all know that this has to work. It's their best shot to win a title at this stage in their careers, right, as things currently sit. Um, and I think Steve Nash said it best. If they really want to win, they'll find a way to make it work. But, um, you know, I don't know what's fair expectations. I mean, I, I don't even think the expectations should – no one should care offensively. I mean, I don't think their ability to score is going to be a problem. It's can they defend? Can they, can they get stops when they need to? Um, you know, they don't, you know, Duran, I think is a pretty good defender, but obviously Harden and Kyrie have never really made that their mojo. So what, what does that look like? And, and I mean, their ability to continue to upgrade the roster has essentially been handicapped. I mean, someone used a really good phrase that they're, they're, they're bankrupt in terms of assets now. So they have to make this work with this group or else, I mean, it all gets blown up. So I, I don't know. I, I don't really think I've answered the question, honestly, but I mean, I don't know what expectations are. You know, these are three very interesting personalities. These are weird times we're in. Um, if I'm on the next podcast and they've won 10 in a row and it isn't really close, I wouldn't be surprised. If you're telling me that everyone's job's on the line, I wouldn't be surprised either. Mm, that's interesting stuff. Hey, so Alex, let me, let me drill down a little bit more on, on one key guy in this whole equation. And you mentioned his name and that's Steve Nash. He's, I think I, what I read of Nash, at least when I, the little bit that I covered him and, and seen him play back in the day, he seems to be the type of guy who, like you said, it's going to be on them to figure it out. Now you've got a first year coach who doesn't seem like he have, feels the need to overly, you know, get himself in the mix, you know, like, Hey, here's the ball. There's the goal. You guys got to get it done. It, what's your sense of his strategy and how he will kind of manage that? Yeah, he's been very hands-off, I think, in terms of – I think he's talked about early on as a coach wanting to let the guys work through mistakes and figure things out for themselves because when he was in Phoenix with Mike D'Antoni, now was top, one of his top assistants, you know, he, he as, as much as – you know, he said you make a big deal out of seven seconds or less or what D'Antoni did in Houston with all the threes – he said D'Antoni also kind of knew when to let it evolve on its own and take his foot off the gas. And I think that's what's going to be interesting about this. I mean, I would trust three of the best players in the world to go out and freelance on their own and, and have success with it. But at the same time, as we've talked about with the dynamic of personalities, I think there is going to be some times where he has to be hard on them and kind of lay into them. And how he walks that line is going to be fascinating. I mean, if it's as long as they're winning – you know, everyone's happy, it's fine, or is it going to be he needs to establish this early on as to how this is going to go? And, and, you know, he's been very open as a head coach. I mean, what's what's been interesting about – you talk about how green he is as a head coach. I remember asking him after one game, you know, why he challenges certain calls. He's like, you know, I've never done a challenge before. My assistants told me I should. So we decided I was going to challenge a call during the game no matter uh, whether it was a good call or not by the mm -hmm. officials. So I, I admire how, you know – Let's be honest, we know plenty of people that go into a job that um, act like they know what they're doing when they don't, right? And um, 
And um, I, I, I admire how he's essentially said at times, you know, like, yeah, I, I just did this to see because I don't know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but I mean, I think at some point with such high stakes, that's no longer an excuse. So, um, so how he goes about all this is going to be very interesting to figure out because, uh, you know, again, on one hand, he was hired to manage personalities, but that only goes so far with at some point with some of these guys, especially again, you know, Kyrie and Harden and Duran are all kind of used to getting their way. Yeah. It's nice to hear a coach have a little bit of self-awareness as opposed to just acting like he knows everything because he played in the league for so long. You know, and, Alex, and, was a, and was a transcendent player. It's not like he was just anybody. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's not like he was a Ty Lue, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to throw someone out there, but yeah, I, Alex, I thought that burned from here. <laughs> something I look at is, all championship teams have a leader, right? Regardless of who their running mate is. Like in Los Angeles, it's LeBron and Anthony Davis. In Cleveland, it was LeBron and Kyrie. You look at these three guys, they've all been the alpha on their team. Who is the leader of this team if they come down in a late game situation and they have to lean on someone? I, I think it's got to be Durant. I think you saw that last night. I mean, he was the one that took the big shot that got them the win. And, you know, there's been times where if you looked even on Saturday, I mean, when Durant was heating up when he had the 42, Harden kept feeding him. So I think I think one of the good things with this team so far is that it's been established that, yeah, we have three stars, but it's still there is still a pecking order. And even got, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie's obviously injured, but he even said to me last year that that this was never going to work when everyone was healthy unless it was an established pecking order as to who looks for their shot first. And that still seems to be the case and that it starts with Durant and they go from there. And if you like that quick little snippet of Catch and Shoot 2.0, why don't you check out the full episode? New shows drop weekly on Wednesday, courtesy of Pure Hoops Media.